Well, good morning. Hopefully, uh, this will be a little better than the last time I was on stage. Uh, less eventful. If you don't get that reference, ask someone who was at the Christmas Eve service. Uh, I don't want to go into it too much. Uh, but 2023 comes to a close tonight, and just like every other year since the beginning, uh, it's had ups and downs, right? Uh, at New Hope, we've seen uh, lots of reasons for growth, reasons for uh, excitement, uh, great things that have been happening. Uh, there's new babies, it seems like, every other month uh, in the nursery. There's more on the way. Uh, we've had around a dozen students commit their lives to the Lord and be baptized. Uh, there's new faces. There's new classes. There's great things happening here all the time. Um, I love being a part of this church. It's been a wonderful year here. Um, but there's been hard things, too. Uh, you know, we just, we just heard all those names that we have to add to our prayer list. People who, right at Christmas time, are getting such terrible news. Uh, folks here have lost friends. They've lost family members. Some people have lost jobs. Um, lives have changed for better or for worse. Uh, we're not immune to the struggles of life just because we have our hope in Jesus. But we can get through the struggles of life because we have our hope in Jesus. I don't think we have to search our minds too long to think of the ways this year has been hard. That's life in a broken world. Uh, but there are reasons to be thankful in the midst of that. Uh, and the most important one to me is that God is constant. He doesn't change. Through our ups and the downs, He is always the same. He has been from the beginning. He will be all the way until this world ends and we get to join him in eternity forever. As we look forward to 2024, I want to do uh, my best to point us toward hope in a God who does not change by looking at the life of David and some of his psalms. Um, his life, David's life, was full of ups and downs, right? In 1 Samuel 16, he was anointed as the future king, and then he goes off and he kills Goliath, uh, this young boy succeeding where an entire army had failed to step up to the plate. But then Saul gets jealous and Saul chases him around in the wilderness and there's a bunch of military victories in there. And then eventually he becomes king of Judah and king of Israel, but then he commits adultery with Bathsheba and ruins a whole bunch of things. And then his son Absalom, you know, rebels against him, tries to take the kingdom right out from under him. Lots of ups and downs. Uh, in David's life. Started out great, then went back and forth uh, ever since then. But eventually, uh, Paul describes David to the people of Antioch in Acts chapter 13, and he says, he echoes God's words from 1 Samuel 13, and says that David was a man after God's own heart. He had his ups and downs, he had his struggles, he had his successes that were greater than anything I've had, but the most impressive thing is he was a man after God's own heart. But why did his faith never waver? I think that's because of who God is, because of God and his constant nature. James 1.17 tells us that God, the Father of heavenly lights, does not change like shifting shadows. In Malachi 3 verse 6, God says, I, the Lord, do not change. 
And in Hebrews 13, 8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to take the rest of our time to look at how that was reflected through David's attitude when he was writing some of his psalms. Uh, we're going to start in Psalm 133. We'll kind of work backwards. Don't worry, we're not going through all of them. Uh, we're going to jump around a little bit. Um, but we're going to start off uh, with David praising God in the good times with Psalm 133. He says this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life, forevermore. David noticed the people living in unity, and he praised God for it. He saw this good thing was happening, and he praised God. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I forget to praise God when things are good. I, I am quick to turn to God when things are bad. When I was sick as a dog on Wednesday, um, I was praying a lot. God, just let this stop. Let me keep some food down. Let me feel better, God. I need to be able to preach on Sunday. I, I have thanked God that I got past that, got through that. But I don't think I've thanked him as much as I begged him to make me healthy, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but we need to praise God when things are good, right? David also praised God in his victories, like in Psalm 60. Although this one kind of sounds a little back and forth uh, at the start, especially at the start. It says, you've rejected us, O God. And burst forth upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open. Mend its fractures for it is quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow. Save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin, upon Edom I toss my sandal. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy. For the help of man is worthless. With God, we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. David knew that the only reason they were going to win was with God. He knew that the only way that it would work out is if God was on their side. And God had not been, it seemed like, from his early writing there. Israel had obviously been doing something that God was not pleased with. And David said, you've rejected us. But they turned back. And God helped them and David praised him. This, it came after everything looked lost, but then God provided the victory. It's negative and then he kind of reminds himself that God is with them and because of that they will win. 
How many times does all seem lost and then God steps in and provides? I know I felt it. <laughs> We've got people all over this church who have experienced that for themselves. You know, there, there's Bill Hill and Scott Silverthorne and Jamie Johnson and their families. They all face what looked like the worst possible situations. They're still here. They're still praising God. I, I know there's, there's far more situations like that out there than I'm even aware of. These situations, that they looked grim, but God provided a victory anyway. Others have tasted an even greater victory. The victory of seeing their Savior face to face when they pass from this life into eternity. We've got to praise God in those times. And, and that's really hard when we lose somebody that we care about. But when we know that they are faithful, when we know that their trust has been in God, that's a time for praise. Uh, one, of my, one of my second grade, my only second grade teacher, her name was Linda. And Linda loved the Lord uh, with everything that she had. And you could tell in the way that she lived her life. I could tell as a second grader who didn't even know Jesus that she was just, she was a loving, caring person. And eventually, as I got older and got to know Jesus myself, and she was one of my youth group leaders, I realized, oh, that's why she was like that. Um, she died um, seven, eight years ago, and her funeral was not, I mean, it was sad. People cried, um, obviously. We missed her. But she gave very strict instructions. It wasn't going to be a sad thing. It was going to be a celebration. We were going to sing all her favorite songs, and we were going to worship God, and we were going to praise Him because she was home with her Savior. It's hard to do, because for the family, at that time, things looked grim. They'd lost someone that they dearly loved. But what a victory she gained. So we praise God in those victories. In Psalm 57, David cries out to God while hiding from Saul in the wilderness. Let me. Sorry, everything's so close. The way I marked my pages didn't work very good. <laughs> He's crying out. He says, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. For in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster is past. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. That is not the typical attitude to have when everything's going wrong. 
The king and his whole army are chasing David and he's hiding out in a cave. And his response is to praise God. He could have dwelled on how bad things were, but he chose to praise God. We're going to read verses 7 through 11 again. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. His life is on the line and he's hiding in the cave and he's praising God like that. It's easy to praise him when things are good, to come here and sing our songs when, when nothing's going wrong in our lives. Much more difficult when our circumstances are less than ideal, but David provides a great example. And David also turned to God when he was caught. When he had sinned, and everybody knew it, and he needed to repent. After being confronted by Nathan the prophet over the whole ordeal with Bathsheba and Uriah, he wrote Psalm 51. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. He got caught. But he's not full of anger or bitterness. He acknowledges his sin. He acknowledges more so the goodness of God and he asks to be cleansed and to have the joy of his salvation restored to him. It's not easy to praise God in those moments. It feels hard to, to look at God and to go to God when we've been caught in our sin. When we recognize, I have been in the wrong. That's kind of Satan, right? He wants us to feel ashamed. He wants us to feel stuck and trapped in our sin. 
but we need to be like David and just lay it all on the table and God will restore. Right. In Psalm chapter 3, Psalm number 3, David writes, When Absalom had risen up against him and David had to flee, when his own son is trying to steal the kingdom away from him, this is what he says, O Lord, how many are my foes! How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. He has every right to feel hurt and betrayed and just, why is this happening, God? But he doesn't. He has confidence in God. He says, you're a shield around me. The Lord sustains me. From the Lord comes deliverance. Those are the words of someone who knows God. He sees beyond his circumstances and he knows that the God who does not change is right there with him. David even praised God for things that hadn't happened yet. You might remember that David, he made the plans for the building of the temple. But because of the bloodshed associated with his life, God had told David, you won't build the temple. Your son Solomon will instead. But David still wrote... Psalm 30, which was for the dedication of the temple, where he says, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken, O Lord. When you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. You turn my wailing into dancing. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Hadn't even happened. The dedication of the temple was, was far off. It wasn't going to happen during David's lifetime. And he was still looking forward and praising God. So what do we, what do we take away from these things, these psalms, and from David's life? The first is that we need to praise God when things are good. Right? We can't forget to stop and thank Him when they are good. We might just be cruising along and enjoying how well things are going, 
but we cannot forget to acknowledge the one who is responsible for every good and perfect gift. Uh, <clears throat> when we know what God has done, we need to make sure we celebrate who he is. So that the people can see we're, we're not responsible for these good things. We are always pointing towards the one who is. Our second lesson is that we should praise God even when things are bad. In Psalm 57, David is in the cave and he praised God anyway. He didn't do it because he was happy with where he was. Those were not pleasant circumstances, but he knew who God is and was and always will be. So he praised him anyway. Same thing for Psalm number three. His own son was against him, but David praised God. Psalm 51 gives us the next two. We need to praise God when we need forgiveness. And we need to praise God for his faithfulness to forgive. That's something we will never stop needing. It's something we will never, we should never forget. If nothing good ever happens for the rest of my life, if the rest of my days are characterized by heartache and pain and difficulty and trial, the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins should be enough reason for me to praise God and have joy. It's a lot easier in theory than in practice. But if everything else for the rest of my life here on earth goes wrong, that should be enough. That should be enough reason for me to have joy. Because my hope shouldn't be in this world. Because, as Psalm 30 reminds us, we should praise God for what's to come. We know what waits us after this life is over. David didn't see the temple. He never got to worship God there, but he believed God when God told him it would be built. And he wrote a psalm singing his praises accordingly. We don't know what's going to come in our lives, but we Christians know what awaits us when this life is over. The details of next year are fuzzy. <laughs> we know some things that will probably happen, but we can't tell the future. The details of heaven, there's, there's a lot, but it's still uncertain because we have, you know, just a human picture of what God has shown us of heaven. Our understanding is limited because we haven't been there and experienced it. Our, our kids were asking us uh, the other day, well, what are our bodies going to look like in heaven? I don't know. It would be perfect. Regardless of the details, we told them, look, that's one of those things that we just don't need to worry about it because we're going to be with God. And it's going to be perfect. We have, we have that to hold on to. It's going to be better than we can imagine. That's the hope we hold on, hold on to in the middle of everything. And that keeps us grounded when things are going well. Hopefully, that helps us remember not to love this world too much. But to love the God who is unchanging. The God who is there through it all. In 2024, as a church, we're going to be focusing on discipleship. Uh, and we're going to be trying to base a lot of what we do uh, off the idea that Paul set forth in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, when he said, Follow my example 
as I follow the example of Christ. I think the most important part of that is remembering just who God is. He is a constant, unchanging God who is deserving of our worship and our praise in good times and bad, who forgives and cleanses us of our sin, and who promises great things to come that we can only imagine for now. If we can be unified in our pursuit of the God who never changes, I think the next year is going to be a great one. Let's follow Christ together. And let's take the first step today. Whether you need to accept the forgiveness and grace of God for the first time or come back into his arms or just celebrate who God is and what he's done for your life, we're going to stand, we're going to sing one more song, and we're going to praise the one who's worthy of it all. If there's a decision to be made or if you need some prayer or just want to celebrate something that God's done in your life, uh, go ahead and come forward as we sing.